This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Thursday, April 30th, 2020. On this day in 1943, the body of Major William Martin of Britain's Royal Marines washed up on a beach in Huelva, Spain. The discovery of the body would set in motion one of the most notorious counterintelligence operations of World War II, Operation Mincemeat. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering Operation Mincemeat, a British counterintelligence operation executed during World War II. It was considered one of the most successful wartime intelligence plays in history and helped turn the tides for Allied forces. Now let's go back to a beach in Huelva, Spain, just as the sun was beginning to rise on April 30th, 1943. A Spanish fisherman, the only one out on the water that early, came across the body. It was badly decomposed, like it had been in the water for several days. But even more remarkable, the corpse wore a full military uniform and had a black attaché case chained to his waist. Realizing the dead man was clearly someone important, the fisherman immediately alerted the police. Based on the papers found in his pockets and wallet, the police identified the man as Major William Martin of the Royal Marines. They contacted the local British representative, Francis Hazelden, to let him know that one of his soldiers was in their custody. Hazelden authorized Martin's internment. His body was practically falling apart after so much time at sea. The final order of business was the black case found chained around his waist. Clearly, he was some kind of military courier delivering important wartime correspondence. Together, the Spanish authorities and Hazelden opened the briefcase. Inside was a single letter addressed to General Harold Alexander, the senior British officer in Tunisia. Rather than assume responsibility of the letter himself, Hazelden insisted that the Spanish authorities pass it along the proper channels. The letter, the briefcase, and all of Major Martin's personal effects should be shipped to headquarters in Madrid. But a few days later, higher-ups in London reached out. Hazelden needed to recover the attaché case and its contents immediately. It was a matter of national security. Hazelden hurried back to the police in Huelva, but they'd already sent the case to the capital, so he scrambled to catch up to it, chasing the letter across the country. But he wasn't the only one aware of Major Martin's demise, and someone else beat Hazelden to the punch. 
Even though Spain was technically a neutral party during World War II, the Franco regime was sympathetic to the Axis cause. There were several well-placed Nazi spies in the country, and when they realized how badly the Brits wanted the letter Major Martin carried, they saw an opportunity to help the Germans. Before Hazelden could reach Madrid, a Spanish officer intercepted the letter. Using a small metal rod, the message was carefully extracted from the envelope without breaking the seal. Hazelden would carry the envelope all the way back to London without even realizing the information had been lifted. The letter, marked personal and most secret, was a critical piece of intelligence. It laid out the Allied forces' upcoming invasion plans. For weeks, the Axis powers had been trying to anticipate where the Allied army would strike in southern Europe. Earlier in 1943, the Germans had been pushed out of northern Africa by the Allies. It was only a matter of time before those same forces crossed the Mediterranean and confronted the Axis armies. But where exactly the Allies would make landfall was a matter of debate. One option was Sardinia, a small island west of Italy that served as a waypoint between North Africa and mainland Europe. The Allies could potentially use it to set up a bombing operation, but it wasn't large enough for substantial numbers of ground forces to mobilize from. The neighboring island to the east, Sicily, was better equipped for large troops to gather. Just off the tip of Italy's boot, forces there could still be supported by Allied armies in Tunisia. But the third option, the one that Hitler himself thought most likely, was Greece. He believed that the Allies would land in the Peloponnese Peninsula, then make their way north to the Balkans, which was a crucial supplier of raw materials for the German army. As the Axis leaders debated the most likely scenario, suddenly the answer washed ashore. The letter Major Martin carried spelled it out plainly. The Allies planned to attack both Greece and Sardinia. Hitler quickly shored up his defenses. He deployed 90,000 soldiers from France to Greece and prepared for the Allied strike. Then, on July 10, 1943, 160,000 Allied soldiers invaded Sicily. Major William Martin was a plant. He wasn't even a soldier. He was a tool of espionage who, in death, changed the course of the war. We'll talk about the conception of Operation Mincemeat after this. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On April 30th, 1943, the body of a British military courier washed up on shore in Spain. Based on the paperwork in his wallet, authorities identified him as Major William Martin of the Royal Marines. But this was a lie. Major William Martin didn't exist. 
The dead man was actually Glyndor Michael, a homeless man who died after ingesting rat poison in London a few months earlier. When the coroner examined his body and looked to his family history, he determined that Glyndor was the perfect candidate to enact a far-fetched espionage plot. He was posthumously enlisted and earmarked for Operation Mincemeat. The entire scheme was inspired by a detective story, The Milliner's Hat Mystery, written by Basil Thompson. In the novel, a deceased man is found carrying several documents. The investigators follow leads based on the papers, but it turns out they were forged, planted on the body with the intent of leading the police astray. Future James Bond author Ian Fleming was familiar with the book. During World War II, he worked for naval intelligence and was tasked with coming up with possible counterintelligence scenarios. In one memo, he suggested planting forged documents on a dead body. Eventually, Operation Mincemeat was born. Glyndor Michael's body was kept on ice in the morgue while British intelligence officers set the stage for deception. Agents Ewan Montague and Charles Chumley crafted a backstory for Major William Martin. They carefully manufactured pocket litter to stuff in his coat and wallet, creating the illusion that he was a real person. Cigarettes, receipts, a notice from his bank, love letters from his fiancée, and an accompanying photograph. To keep the body fresh, it was placed in a canister filled with dry ice. Once the ice sublimated, the carbon dioxide gas pushed out all the oxygen in the chamber, effectively making it a vacuum chamber. The canister was then transported from London to Spain in a submarine. In the early morning hours of April 30th, the canister was opened and Major Martin was placed in the water. The crew watched as the waves took him in the direction of the shore. Now all they had to do was wait and see if their gambit paid off. In early May, Winston Churchill received a telegram confirming mincemeat swallowed rod, line, and sinker. In an article for The New Yorker, author Malcolm Gladwell pointed out that several dominoes had to fall for Operation Mincemeat to succeed. He wrote, It was an impossibly complex scheme, dependent on all matter of unknowns and contingencies. What if whoever found the body didn't notify the authorities? What if the authorities disposed of the matter so efficiently that the Germans never caught wind of it? What if the Germans saw through the ruse? But part of Operation Mincemeat's success came from the fact that it played on confirmation bias. Hitler already thought that the Allied forces were going to attack Greece. When his spy network brought him a letter confirming what he already believed, it made it all that much easier to accept as fact. Gladwell pointed out that this is an inherent and often overlooked paradox in espionage as a whole. He quoted sociologist Irving Goffman, writing, the more the observer relies on seeking out foolproof cues, the more vulnerable he should appreciate he's become. The very fact that the observer finds himself looking to a particular bit of evidence as an incorruptible check on what is or might be corrupted is the very reason why he should be suspicious of this evidence. For the best evidence for him is also the best evidence for the subject to tamper with. 
Operation Mincemeat has been labeled as one of the most successful wartime acts of espionage because of the market effect it had on the remainder of the war. Soon after Allied forces invaded Sicily, Benito Mussolini was removed from power in Italy. Hitler was forced to redistribute the troops fighting off Russia to southern Europe. But without significant Axis resistance on the Eastern Front, the Red Army advanced into Germany, marching all the way to Berlin. Inspired by a novel, Operation Mincemeat is a story truly stranger than fiction. But in fact, it may have rewritten history. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories about the secret world of spies, check out the ParCast original, Espionage. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Abigail Cannon, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 